you've come to the right place. If you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program, I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Sarah Noel Block. You can find her at sarahnoelblock.com. That's Sarah with an H. She also hosts the Tiny Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you for having me and accepting me in the cave that I'm living in right now. <laughs> it's all good. I'm kind of in a cave too. Um, so we're going to nerd out about marketing, one of my favorite subjects. You know, I get a lot of course creators and coaches who are trying to get clients. I have agencies who support that industry. Um, they're trying to get clients. Everybody wants customers and clients. They marketing. do. <laughs> marketing is the way. Before we get into some strategies and whatnot, what makes, why did you add tiny to your brand? What's tiny marketing mean? Yeah, so... Uh... I'll go to my like superhero origin story. And I started off as a one-person marketing department for a seven-company group. So I had to learn how to market when I had no resources, no budget. And that's why I support now. I use the frameworks I learned then when I was in the trenches to help them figure out how to market in the most streamlined way that still works. Tiny teams. That's awesome. Yeah. So like you don't have to have a giant budget and a giant team to do effective marketing. That's what you're no, saying. No. And I've actually worked like when I'm partnering with agencies, I work with giant companies, yeah. international billion dollar companies. And I feel so much more comfortable when my resources are restricted. That's like my comfort zone. I like scrappy. Awesome. Well, you know, marketing, there's a lot of pieces to it. And you're obviously good at a lot of different parts of it. For a course creator type person who's, let's say they're new, they, they're just starting to build an audience. They've got their first course ready to go. Where do we start figuring out marketing, especially if we have no background in it? What do we do first? Yeah. Who's your person? Who yeah. is it that you're selling to? So the first thing you should be thinking about is, this is the problem that I'm solving. And who the heck needs that? Just really narrow it down and that will make marketing so much easier if you know exactly who has this problem consistently. The customer avatar, I see a lot of people struggle with this in the sense that like I may teach a certain thing and I call it a mechanism, but there's like this way I teach this thing and my market is, they'll just say, my market is people who want that thing. It's not, it's not really an avatar. It's just people. No. Their avatar is people who want what I'm selling. But how do, how do we, how do we like more better crystallize a yeah. learner avatar? How do you sell to generic person if it has this problem? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, figuring out that problem that you solve is the first step because then you can start to think about, well, who are the people that consi consistently have this problem? So, for example, in, in my experience, well, actually, we're talking about courses today. So I will talk about the course that I had. What I did is I thought, well, who needs to learn how to do content strategy? 
So I started making a list of who are the most common people who would have that issue. Maybe marketing leaders that don't have a team. They don't have a strategist. Um, it could be content writers who AI has kind of taken over their job and they need to learn a more strategic approach to content marketing. So I made a list of all the people who have my problem. And then I did a beta test and I sold to them just very generically because it was a beta. I was figuring out who actually cared about this. And it turned out it was business owners that have like solo entrepreneurs that don't have any team that were the most interested in learning how to create a uh, content marketing strategy. But doing that beta test is a great way to figure out like who did I enjoy working with? Who was like received the most from that? And then you can start narrowing it down and it will be so much easier to sell once you do that. But a data, a beta test is always helpful. How do you beta test? Like, let's say I sell meditation. Um, I train people in mindfulness and meditation as an example. And maybe there's like stressed out parents. Maybe there's entrepreneurs. Maybe there's um, uh, vets coming back from the military like how how if we have these three very different groups how would we do a beta test yeah i would start off with creating a masterclass or a webinar around the challenges that they are experiencing and keep it high level these are the challenges you're experiencing this is how to solve it and see who signs up for that um put it out on advertising put it out to your email list oh and your email list is obviously the easiest place to sell. So who's on there that would make sense to sell to? But start with that and see who you attract with it. Because beta testing is a great opportunity to learn like who actually cares about your thing. So I would start there and then segment. And then you can test out who's buying it and who's a great student. Who cares? What a... What are, what are all the details that go into a really well-crafted avatar? Like, what do we, how do we, I mean, it could be like a certain type. Of, you mentioned a, a business owner that had no team that was, had to figure out content. Like, what else do you know about that avatar as an example? Yeah. So I love building out customer avatars. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, I've changed. I've evolved over time because I used to hate them. I used right. to look at them like those little fake pictures with the fake names and random things like they love dogs. I was Business like, owner Bob. Or yeah. yeah. Who cares about any of this? None of that matters. So I've evolved over time and I've just realized that those things don't matter. Your customer avatar should focus on think like story brand. What are the challenges that they're having? What triggers them to start looking for a solution? And then um, like understanding those elements, then you can go a little bit deeper. Like what size do the, does the organization have to be to be able to afford my services? Who did I enjoy working with? And those are ways that you can start to build out who your customer avatar should be about. And then focusing in on these are the things that matter for marketing. Where do they hang out online? Um, how is it that they research how to solve their problems? That will give you a really clear line of how to market to them. 
And um, what is it that looks like success to them? So you can even start this by using ChatGPT prompts to just get it started and then start interviewing your customers and verify the assumptions that you're making. That's awesome. I have actually experimented with ChatGPT for Avatar and it's, it is quite a helpful resource. It's not going to, I wouldn't count on it 100%, but it'll, yeah. it'll definitely give you a solid first draft to start with. Yeah, it gives you a great uh, assumption, customer avatar, but then you need to verify those things. Like one time I was doing one for a customer that didn't have, they haven't sold to this audience before. So I started with a foundational AI customer avatar that I built through prompts. But then I went to, you know, their online watering holes and I started talking to these actual people and surveying them. And through those conversations and those surveys, I was able to verify and tweak that profile. So it made sense and it gave me a really clear idea of their journey and what they do when they're trying to find a solution to their problem. What's an example like prompt language? I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect, but like for ChatGPT or BART or whatever that somebody could type in to, to get it to kind of spit out a starting avatar statement. Yeah, so start with what you know. Let's say your favorite customer was a marketing director and you know the size of their company, you know what industry they serve. Put in that information first and then ask them, ask them like ChatGPT is a person, ChatGPT, what challenges are they experiencing? What triggers them to start looking for a solution? Um, Where is it that they spend time online? And those are some good places to start and ask them to spit it out (laughs) and spit out that answer in the form of a customer avatar. Because then it really does fill in all of the gaps on those trigger points and how you can market to them. And then another great ad is if you use Bing AI after that, you can go there and say, where does, um, what events would this customer avatar go to that are happening in the next six months? And because Bing AI uses actual internet searches as part of it, you get real-time information and you find out exactly what events that they would actually go to. And you can start building out what kind of networking things that you would go to or maybe what podcasts you would want to be a guest on because that's what they're listening to. That is awesome. I want to ask you about social media because we get a lot of questions about that. And in my opinion, a lot of people they kind of miss what social media is like the two parts. It's you got to have some media, some content, ideally. And then you have to actually talk to people being social, social, not just like posting content. And it's not just engaging in replies or something yeah. like that. So what, what is, what is social media marketing today? And how would you encourage somebody to approach it? Who like maybe has a Facebook account and a LinkedIn and that's about it. Yeah. It's, it's not working online is what it is. You yeah. want to actually build those relationships. So I hate social media. Um, I don't do it for fun. But I show up every day and I actually set a timer for 15 minutes at this time and 15 minutes at this time. I'm just going to engage on posts 
of people who either they're really supportive of me and they're always commenting on my stuff or I would want to work with them in the future or maybe I would want them to work with me and um, meaning I would want to hire them. So I spend 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at lunchtime engaging on those. And it's always best to do this around the time that you're going to post too, because then you're on the feed right around when you're posting something. So people are more likely to, you know, pop over to your profile and engage with you too. That's awesome. What, uh, like, how would you translate that to in-person events? You mentioned going to like, where does my avatar hang out? Perhaps at a conference or trade show or whatever. What, yeah. uh, how would you approach the event differently or the same as regular online social media? Yeah. Well, with social, you got to think of it like little watering holes where you're going to post that other people who care about the same thing as you, who have the same problem that you solve, are going to be hanging out and engage on it. And the same thing you want to do in live events too. You're going to an event where these are people that would buy my service or my product. And you just have normal conversations with them. It should be natural. Don't try and sell to them right away. Because when you're just starting to build that relationship, that's all it is. It's authentic relationship building. It's not about selling. But like, this is all I do. I hate selling and I'm not good at it. It's like in a direct fashion. What I do is I make friends with people. And then when they hear about someone who has a problem that I solve, they're like, oh, Sarah. There's the person to, to go to for that. So it feels more natural to me to just make friends with people instead. I was talking the other day on someone else's podcast. I'm like, do you remember how we met? Because I just stalked you online and commented on all of your stuff. Then just chatted with you until you finally reciprocated. She's like, yeah, you were pretty persistent. And I did, I'm glad you were because eventually we became friends. That's my awkward way of making friends online, I guess. Hey, <laughs> I totally relate and have done the same thing. How about um, more like partnerships or leveraging other people's audiences? How do we how do we do that? Yeah, and actually make it work. Well, based on the way you phrased that, then you probably saw and I had recent content about that. But like that was the name of the episode of Tiny Marketing. I love partnerships and that is how I built my business. When I first started, I had no audience, just like everybody else. So I partnered with product companies that had the same audience that I serve and I partnered with other service providers and we would do joint webinars together or we would do newsletter swaps where I shared their lead magnet and they shared mine or actually... When I first started, like now Tiny Marketing is primarily a podcast, but when I first started, it was a live stream show. So I met a ton of people that way. And um, that was that was probably the best decision I ever made because a lot of my work came through the people I met who I just interviewed. And that was not intentional. That just looked out that way. That's awesome. How about uh, content? You mentioned... Um, you know, sharing content on social media and posting at certain times and stuff. But how do we like actually come up with a content strategy and avoid the burnout for our avatar and actually create the stuff? 
Yeah, I feel, well, one, if you just have like three pillars that you consistently talk about, that's the easiest way to do it. I always start off with, these are three topics that I talk about, and here are a bunch of subtopics that would make sense for it. And you can just create a mind map around that. These are topics that make sense. And um, you could batch it, which is what I do for my clients is I spend it a week just working on their stuff, heads down, and then we can schedule it all out ahead of time. And that's like the easiest way to do it because you're in that mindset and you could do it all at once. But if that's not how you, you flow, that's not your work style. Then one thing I did is like early on, I was using Trello. And anytime I had an idea, I would just pop it into Trello and I would um, just create it then. So when I was ready to post, I would have it already. Now I'm even lazier and I just use my Apple Notes. And anytime I have an idea, I start typing it away. So I have a big old notebook of ideas for when it's ready. And if you struggle with like, okay, great, I have those pillars, but what do I talk about within those pillars? Again, you could just go to ChatGPT, throw your pillars in there and say, give me um, 20 topics that XX audience would care about within this pillar. And there'll at least be a couple that you like in there. Any other tips on working with AI, what to do, what not to do? Well, clearly I love AI. (laughs) It saves so much time. Yes, I do have tips. The biggest issue I see with it is that people, the copywriting, it's all generic and sounds exactly the same for everybody. So if you use it for copywriting, I haven't seen great stuff from that. Um, So if you are not a writer and you want to do that, that's cool. But go to the hooks and the closes every single time and make sure that it is an actual hook that you would say and read through it. Look for your voice. Make sure it's there. Make sure you have a good closer that's not some, read this post, blah, blah, blah. Instead, have it more personalized. And um, then I think it works if you do a lot of editing to make it sound like you because you don't want to sound like everyone else. But in my to-do category, (laughs) one thing I love to do is I do a lot of copy for my clients And um, so I will write it out and then I'll ask ChatGPT to grade me. I'll put it in there and I'll say, "Um, this is meant for this audience and um, I want them to take this action. What should I do to improve it? And what do you like about it? Because I need a little compliment from my AI. (laughs) Um, It gives me really, really good advice. So it's almost like having a beta reader or a secondary editor on your work. So I really like that. It's like, "Hmm, you should actually have more testimonials here because it would show uh, your authority. It was like, you're right. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) For the uh, people who haven't heard of it before, what... Like if there's, you have some kind of content framework, like there's a hook and then there's the main content or story and then some kind of close or call to action. What's the structure there? And like, can you explain a hook and what the call yeah. to action should look like and stuff? Yeah. So they all every single piece of content you create should have a hook at the beginning. 
And that is something that draws the audience in. So it could be a question, a bold statement that might push people the wrong way, but push the right people the right way. Um, or like some interesting fact or statistics, something that draws people in. And that's the hook. That's what gets people excited. It could be a story too. And then the body of your content would be the meat. It is what you're teaching. Just a little snapshot of your of your lesson that you're teaching. And then the close will give them some sort of action to take. So on social media, it works best if you do your close in like a PS. PS and then the action. If you want to read more about this or if you want to listen to the whole episode, the link is in comments. Or PS, if you like this, then you would love this workshop that I'm putting on and blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever action you want them to take next. Awesome. And what do you recommend? Like, what would you recommend for a course creator or coach for a lead magnet? One, and then number two, some kind of sales conversion event to like close the sale. Number two. Yeah. Yeah. So I have found with courses that video content as a lead magnet works best, some sort of masterclass or a webinar. If you're just starting out, I love a, a live webinar. Because that is the only type of content that I can think of that can pull people in as a top of funnel lead and bring them all the way through to a sale within 30 minutes. The only thing I've ever experienced that does that because like content marketing is no like trust. That's your goal for every single piece. And um, a webinar is the only way to get that no like trust happening all in one piece of content. So I like that best. They have an opportunity to actually get to know you. You want them to learn something. Like they, you want them to have some sort of win by the end of it, but also a little bit more like, but I, I need more to be able to get to the finish line on that. And that's how you actually sell the course is having that, but I need more feeling at the end of it. What's a, um, the key parts of a webinar? Like if somebody's like, okay, I got to like choreograph this thing or outline it and I'm a little yes. overwhelmed. Like what are the main components of a webinar? Um, well, if you, are you talking about just the presentation or the whole process? Well, I was just talking about the presentation. Maybe we'll okay. start there. Yeah. So I love webinars. They are my absolute favorite thing to do because I feel like, I don't know, I work from home. I need a need to connect with people. <laughs> right. <laughs> that gives me that opportunity too. But you want to start with like the foundation of it should be an easy win. Like, and it needs to be super simple with the title to know exactly what you're going to get from it. Numbers work well. So if it's like, Three challenges that course creators experience when they are launching their first course. As an example, I'm just pulling that out of the air. Um, and how to fix them. And then parentheses. This tells them exactly, well, one, it tells us who the audience is. This isn't seasoned course creators that we're talking to right now. This is newbies. And we're going to be talking about the challenges that you will be experiencing once you hit that, once you start that launch and how to fix them before you fall. So that's a great example of a topic that would make sense. And then you want to break it down into easy challenge, solution, challenge, solution, 
format. So they're learning a little thing. By the end, you want them to have one thing that's tangible that they had at the end of it. Like maybe you gave them a template for solving one of those challenges you discussed and an opportunity maybe to um, do a little upgrade and work one-on-one with you to complete that template. And then um, at the end of it, you'll want to make sure that you save that time to be able to actually pitch the course and tell them how they can get the rest of the solution. That would be the basic framework. And I would keep it within 30 minutes if possible because people have limited time and brain ability to stay stay with you. That's awesome. And what were you meaning with like uh, outside of the presentation, there's the more of how does it fit in? What does yeah, it mean Yeah, there's a that? whole funnel involved yeah. in a webinar. So yeah. you'd want, you'd need at least two landing pages. You would need the one that brings people in and has them sign up for it. No, you would need a thank you page after that that gives them additional information on what they would need. And then the actual page where the webinar will exist. And then you need an email series before and after. Sounds complex, but really you could sit down for a couple hours and put the whole thing together. Awesome. And is the before to just kind of reinforce why they should come and show up live? And then the after is to kind of follow up on the value and encourage the call to action? Basically it. Well, the first is to get people in the door. It's okay. get people signed up for it. And then, um, so you want that first. You need people to actually show up. And then um, once people sign up, yeah, sending a couple additional emails about the importance of signing or showing up live is so important because it's a lot harder to sell if they don't actually show up. So I like to add a little incentive. If you show up live, you get this bonus bundle that you wouldn't get if you watch the on-demand version. That usually helps is giving them some sort of bonus for attending live. And then um, the after emails would be, yeah, here's the replay. And then you can move them over to the sales sequence on selling your course. It's a nice little funnel. Yeah, yeah. And... uh You mentioned copywriting and for people that aren't, you know, trained as copywriters or haven't invested the time, I I think some people get kind of scared by it. How would you, what tips would you give to ease somebody into copywriting and help them get started? Like what should they focus on first to, to develop their copy, to increase their marketing value? Yeah. So if we're talking course creators and what they would need to do first to copyright for themselves, I would start with frameworks because courses, um, all of the copy that you need is very framework-based. You're sending very similar emails in the, in the sales sequence. You need to talk about the same sequence of things on the landing page, the sales page. So starting with frameworks will make it so, so much easier. And just keep your voice active. That's the biggest annoyance that I see when copywriters are using a lot of passive voice. And then um, make sure your headlines really pop because people are scanners. So as long as your headlines are really good, 
then you will keep them engaged and pulled through on that sales page. And you don't need a ton of copy. If you just have short sentences and short paragraphs that are talking about the important things, the things within that framework, then that will work just fine. You don't need to be a brilliant copywriter. If somebody's putting together a course landing page or sales page, what are some of those key pieces in the framework of a, of a decent sales page to focus on? Like, what are the components? Yeah, I was actually writing a sales page this morning. So I'm going to try and <laughs> fast forward in time to what I was doing with that. So the first thing is like a eye-catching headliner that talks about the, the problem that you're solving. And then the subheader should be the transformation that you're promising. Those are the first two things that you want to talk about. And then give plenty of buttons to be able to move straight towards the purchase on there. You want to include the challenges that they are experiencing, um, this what their life could look like. I like to do this in bullets. So bullets, these are the challenges that you'd be experiencing. Bullets after that, the this is what your life could look like once you have solved those challenges. You want to make sure to have, who is this right for? So your customer avatar that we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, put all of those pieces in, in the, who is this right for? Just bulleted list. And then who is this wrong for? Which is important because you want to attract, but you want to repel. You're not selling to everyone. So put in the people that you don't want buying the course. Now, I'm not saying, Jack, I don't want you <laughs> buying the cars. I'm saying, hey, this course is actually meant for entrepreneurs, solo entrepreneurs. It's not meant for enterprise. At that level, this isn't what you would need. Something like that. So. And we're back with Sarah Block from the Tiny Marketing Podcast for part two of the episode. Uh, we had a little technical difficulty, but we are back. And we're going to keep this marketing conversation going for course creators and agencies. Um, Sarah, you mentioned on your site that you, you, you're very cognizant of doing marketing without burning out. Mm -hmm. what, yeah. what causes people to burn out when doing marketing for their courses or their agency? And, and how can they avoid that? Yeah. Well, I have 100% experienced burnout before. And in my experience, it's always been because I didn't know exactly what I was doing. I didn't have a plan. So I was trying a little bit of everything and I was doing a lot of testing. And that really burned me out because I was like, I'm just going to try these things and see if they work. Um, so what works best for me to avoid out is having that strategy in place, a plan in place and breaking it down into quarterly tasks. This is what I need to do to move the needle and meet these goals. And then it feels really tangible. Like I can do that, so I can do. And then I just set up batching. I set up batching times to do it. And I even do that really with my client work. I set up intensives for them. So I'm batching all of their work and I batch my own like, this week is reserved for Sarah stuff. <laughs> this is operations and marketing week. And then I'll batch all of my marketing then. And that really helps. 
but also just having a system in place is a great way to avoid burnout. If you have your project management tool and your automations set up, like if you do pretty consistent, let's say you have a podcast, for example, the same tasks are involved in every single podcast. Set up the template so you can automatically have all of those things set up in your project management tool, assigned to the right people. The due dates are correct. You can do that all in your project management tool. It's a, it saves you so much time, makes it a lot easier. What about repurposing? Like, let's say you do a really good webinar, you have a podcast or you're, um, you, you're creating videos. How do you actually repurpose all that stuff or not let it just kind of die on the vine and just yeah. disappear forever? You yeah. got to repurpose everything. So my rule is have one core piece of content you're willing to commit to. Let's say, we'll go back to the podcast example. Let's say you have committed to doing two podcasts a month, bi-weekly podcast. I can handle that enough good. But take that video from the podcast and repurpose it. Um, you can use tools like Descript, which will um, be super easy because you can make, you can take little sound bites and create social media graphics from it. You can quickly turn it into reels or TikToks just by changing the orientation of it. You can also use tools like Opus AI, which actually takes AI. You just put your video in there and it will find the hooks for you and it will create everything for you. It'll even add graphics and it'll add your uh your what you were saying closed captioning <laughs> right in there so within five minutes you've repurposed your podcast into 12 new videos that you can use to promote that main podcast that's the point of repurposing by the way it's all about distribution getting everybody to that core piece of content that's awesome and you said opus ai that's o-p-u-s AI is ever US, yes. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, I was just pulling it out. So many AI tools out there. It's so oh awesome. My gosh. And trust me, I am a chronic beta tester where I have tested them all. <laughs> well, so on that note, what are some of your favorites? Like what do you use? Um, Toasty AI. I love so I've tested a lot of AI around podcasting because well, that's my core piece of content and I want to do it as quickly as possible. So I'll take my podcast and I'll put it in there and it will create an article in my voice from like the content on there. Yeah, it's good. Okay. It's good. It will create the show notes page for me. It'll create social media posts for me. And it also has like a chat GPT function where you can ask it to do additional things. So, oh, oh. I forgot the best part, the timestamps and highlights. It'll tell you the timestamps and highlights that you should put in your show notes page. And um, it'll also give you the transcript for your podcast. And it takes like five minutes. <laughs> wow, that's really impressive. That one's my favorite of the podcasting repurposing AI. That's toastyai.com. Any other AI tools you love? <laughs> There is another one I love. It's pod something. I have to look it up. But so I don't like it as much as Toasty. But the thing that it does that Toasty doesn't do is um, it 
find all of the resources that she mentioned in the podcast, right. which is really helpful because oh. I'm always yeah. like, what? Sometimes I'm like, because I batch record my episodes, I'll record an episode in January and it doesn't go live until August. I'm like, what was in there? <laughs> <laughs> what resources did we mention? And that tool, I think it's pod being, I'll have to look it up. Um, but that tool finds the resources that you mentioned. And then earlier I was talking about Bing AI, which is totally different world than ChatGPT because it'll do internet searches. So all of the information is researched that you get from it. So I really like that. That's awesome. Well, tell us, uh, if people want to connect with you, tell us more about your podcast show. And then if people want to work with you on marketing, what does that look like and what, where should they go? Yeah. So my podcast is a tiny marketing show and it's everywhere that you're listening to podcasts. And um, you can go to sarahnoahblock.com to work with me. You, If you reached out to me, then you would find out the first thing that we do is we work on a workshop together to build out your brand messaging on a page so we can get started there. And then next up is your strategic story where we build out your entire strategy and the execution plan. So I don't leave you high and dry. With your strategy collecting dust on your drive, you actually get execution too. Wow, that's awesome. So that's sarahnoelblock.com. Check out the Tiny Marketing Podcast. Sarah, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for adding so much value on this episode. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.